Welcome back as the IFC presents another episode of the Individuation Podcast. My name is James Malamis. We've got a great episode for you. The crew is all back today as Dr. Lahab Al Samurai, Dr. Eric Tomlinson, and Dr. Lisa Hong continue our discussion, this time going over the boy and the snake. If you enjoy the IFC's Individuation Podcast and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. So without any further ado, Dr. Al Samurai, take it away. Welcome back to another episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. I am Dr. Wahab Al Samurai. With me today, as always, Lisa Hong is with us. Dr. Lisa Hong and Dr. Eric Tomlinson are with us. As always, <laughs> we are here to impart to you another story from Mary Louise von Franz's Archetypal Symbols and Fairy Tales, The Hero's Journey. So, um, our last story was the boy Roland. Now we will endeavor to go into um, another story. This one is called The Boy and the Snake. Um, so without further ado, how are you guys doing, first of all? Doing well. It's good to see everybody. Yeah. Everybody, Hi again. <laughs> every, everybody doesn't know we could see them. Yeah. The, yeah, the weather is changing. Can, it's almost don't tell them we can see them. <laughs> yes, we can see all that they do <clears throat> and everything they say and all that they think. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, with that little uh, tidbit, you know it's going to be a scary story. Um, so <laughs> with that, uh, so Dr. Eric, take <laughs> us away. <laughs> yes. You're funny, Dr. Lobb. Okay. <laughs> and there once was a poor woman who lived alone with her son. With her spinning, she tried to earn what they needed to survive. What she wove at home, the boy took to the market to sell. Once he sold enough to make a whole groschen and happily made his way back home. On the way, he encountered some evil boys who were torturing a young snake. He took pity on the snake and said, give me the animal for a groschen. The other boys were glad to have the money and made the trade. The boy took the snake and carried it home. When he arrived, he called out, see, mother, what I bought with the, one, with the money we made? The mother took one look and shook her head. Oh, you foolish child. How could you give a groschen for a poisonous snake? Let it be, mother. I am sure it will thank me one day. He took good care of the snake and gave her something of whatever he ate or drank. Gradually, the animal grew into a mighty serpent. One day, the snake told the boy, that she was the daughter of the serpent king and that she would like to take him to meet her father. He would surely repay the boy for the good he had done. <clears throat> they went to the forest and the serpent king agreed to give the boy whatever he wanted. But when the boy asked for his eight-legged white sun horse and the gemstone from the serpent's king crown, this was too much, and the snake king refused. 
When the daughter complained, he promptly swallowed up the boy. His daughter renewed her pleas and seeing that he could not console his daughter, the serpent king spat out the boy. But lo, the boy had been transformed into a handsome prince. The serpent king gave the youth the white sun horse and the gemstone and said, ride out into the world. And if you have to do something difficult, just tell your horse and it will always help you through. If it is nighttime, however, you only have to place the gemstone on the horse's brow and you will always have daylight in front of you. So the boy rode off and soon they had left the serpent kingdom for the horse ran faster than the morning breeze and jumped from one mountain peak to another. It was constantly daytime because when the night came, the boy prince took out the gemstone, which shone all around like the sun. He finally came to the court of a proud king and entered into his service as a huntsman, where he soon became the king's favorite. This rankled the other servants who determined to ruin him. At the edge of a desert in the high reeds lived a wild boar with golden bristles and 12 wild boar piglets. Many hunters had fallen in pursuit of this beast. The envious, the envious servants now told the king that the new servants had that the new servant had bragged that he could catch the boar and her young. Promptly the king ordered the young man to capture the animals. With the help of his horse, the young man caught the wild sow and a sack painted on the inside with pitch inside, which the boar stormed in a blind rage, followed by her piglets. Back in the courtyard, he opened the sack and the boar with the golden bristles and piglets ran all over but could not jump over the gates. The king heard the cries and the grunts and looked outside. How happy he was to see the shining rays reflecting off of the golden bristles. As a reward, he invited the, the young prince to join him at his, at his table. This, however, only annoyed the, only, the other servants all the more, and they devised a new plan to destroy him. This time, they convinced the king that he should fetch the beautiful princess with the golden braids. On the advice of the white sun horse, he had a ship build, built laden with treasures and an exquisite bed. With the treasure, the princess was lured to the ship. While she was admiring the splendors on the ship, the young man set sail, kidnapping her and delivering her to the king's court. The king was enraptured by her beauty and wanted to make her his queen, but she demanded that before she marries him, he brings her her royal mares and favorite colt. The horses roamed in an underwater plain and the stallion that washed over them breathed fire and was so strong that nothing could overpower him. 
The youth, with, the youth was commanded to obtain the horses. On the advice of his horse, he uncovered his horse with seven buffalo skins and dug a pit in which they hid themselves near the water edge. The white sun horse dared the colt to come up from the ocean depths with his name. At the third call, the young stallion came rushing, flames spewing and stormed upon the sun horse. They fought a bit and, and bit until blood flowed and sand flew, but neither relented the fight. The sea stallion was indeed very defiant and gradually bit through all seven buffalo hides, but he was tiring from the savage struggle. The sun horse still had his own powers and finally overcame the sea stallion. The young man was now able to lead the ocean horses back to the king's palace. But then the princess commanded that the mares be milked and the king bathed in their boiling milk so that he would turn as white as she was. The king ordered the young man to carry out the task. By blowing cold air out of his left nostril, the sun horse cooled the scalding milk and the hero bathed and emerged cleansed with a skin white as milk. Upon seeing this, the king jumped into the bath, but then the sun horse blew hot air out of his right nostril of such heat that it brought the milk bath to an immediate boil. The king disappeared in the seething milk and there was soon nothing left of him but white bones. Now the young man stood before the princess with the golden braids and told her all about, all about his exploits. Her heart melted and she agreed to become his wife. Thus, the young man and the princess with the golden braids were married and rose to the throne of the king. What happened to the white sun horse, the colt and ocean mares, no one knows. But the young king and beautiful queen lived happily together and are still alive today if they have not yet died. Ooh, that's a great story. So as always, there's a journey that we take but was it, uh, what this is a story about um, the instincts. This is a story about finding yourself. We've told this story several times now, the boy and the snake, where um, the hero or um, our hero meets an animal of sorts. There was a, a mouse, um, there was a cat, there was, um, there were several others that uh, we have talked about in our series. And now we have a snake. And the snake is symbolic of several different things. One it is a symbol of the feminine. So for the snake has many different connotations, deception, evil, temptation, confined in the feminine. So there, there's a lot of misconceptions about the snake. The snake also contains the poison that heals. So if you're bitten by that snake, it's the same poison that's going to save you, that's coursing through your veins and killing you. So that duality has always been perplexing, I think, to the masculine. And therefore, the feminine is demonized. 
and it's become a very, uh, over time, a scary symbol. Snake is a scary, it's, it's temptation, it's the, um, it's the snake of the Garden of Eden. It's the devil. But actually, it's neither of those things. It is the source. It's the source of medicine. It is the source of healing. And it is a source of beauty. And also, yes, there is a very definite um, lethality about the snake. But it doesn't come looking for you. You'd have to go looking for it. So the boy finds a snake. What did you guys think of our the boy and the snake? I have a question that I would love to ask. Sure. Growing up on a farm the way I did um, in, you know, rural Florida, I'm very aware that a boar is a male. Ooh. And yet in this story, a boar and sow are both mentioned with the 12 piglets. Ooh. So I'm very, I know it has to have a meaning, but for two paragraphs, they talk about the boar and the sow and the 12 piglets with golden bristled hair. Now, both male and female hogs have bristles on the back of their neck. Ooh. But yet, he keeps inter uh, the writer keeps interchanging the male and the female together because a sow is not a boar and a boar is not a sow. Ooh. And yet, they capture both with all the piglets. And once that happens... He opened the sack and the boar with the golden bristles and piglets ran all over, but could not jump over the gates. The king heard the cries and grunts and looked outside. He was happy to see the shining rays reflecting off of the golden bristles. And I, my question is, and there's got to be a reason for this, because this is so obvious. Why are they interchanging a male and female with the with the parent of these piglets there's got to be a reason for it okay so and, and i'd love to hear any input on that that you and lisa could give it's got to mean something important that okay. they that they took the two and intertwined well, let's, them together. Let's, let's go back to the story at the edge of the desert in the high reeds lived a wild boar with golden bristles, 12 wild boar piglets. So these boars are magical, right? Okay. There's, there's a boar and it has 12. It has a litter. Um, many hunters had fallen in pursuit for this beast. The envious servants now told the king that now the servant that had bragged that he could catch the boar and her young 
Promptly, the king ordered the young man to capture the animals with the help of his horse. The young man caught the wild sow in a sack painted on the inside with a pitch into which the boar stormed in a blind rage followed by her piglets. Now, <clears throat> I think there's a, an important phrase there. That, of course, this is translated, so I can't really know what it is. But in this translation, there is a sentence here <clears throat> that says the envious servants now told the king that the new servant had bragged that he could catch the boar, the boar and her young. Mm -hmm. I think this author is not discriminating a boar and a sow. I think he's using it interchangeably because he identified the boar as the parental figure and then used the possessive her, her yes. young, meaning the boar is a her. So maybe it's just, maybe there isn't a, a thing and maybe it's just that the author just is identifying an adult guardian with okay. heritage. I, did. I think the feminine and masculine are inter are moving interchangeably in this story. That's I think what that I was wondering. At the beginning, there was the, the snake, um, which turned out to be a feminine character or symbol. And then she takes him to her father, not her mother, which I found interesting. And then he, her father wants to, he swallows him up. Right when he asks for things that the father refuses to give, but she protests and she's angry and she stands her ground and he gets his reward. So, Doctor Lahab, that makes me think that in this story, gender is not important. It's fluid. Very fluid. Yes. So this would be. This would be how we can conceptualize uh, the anima and the animas. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. So this is what the, the complexes start to look like, right? As we age and Wonderful. we're, we're not as sexual anymore, the Wonderful. men turn to be more more feminine. Uh, women tend to take on masculine traits. And that's just because of hormonal levels, but on the on this is this is how gender is fluid. It's fluid in different cases. We just um, we just conceptualize it as something um, fixed. Thank you. I, I think that's that's very helpful. Fixed. That's very helpful, and I appreciate it because. It has to mean something or it wouldn't be in the story. No, no, it's the repetition of it in the story. And she is, and Van Franz is also talking about the anima, right? She's talking about the anima. She's talking about um, how the anima moves in the world, uh, what she has. So the treasures are the snake, the boar, the piglets. These are the treasures. They're all anima figures in the story. Well, thank you. I, I, that, I think that's an important element to this story. And I appreciate you explain, you and Lisa both explaining it because that- Because it goes on, Dr. Eric. And then um, new characters are represented. 
She demanded that both she marries him, he brings her her royal mares and favorite colt. The horses roamed on underwater plain and the stallion washed over them, breathed fire, was so strong that nothing could overpower him. Okay. Uh, the youth was commanded to obtain the horse on the advice of his horse. He covered his horse with seven buffalo skins and dug a pit in which they hid themselves near the water's edge. The white sun horse dared the colt to come up from the ocean's depths with his knife. At the third call, the young stallion came rushing, flames spewing, stormed upon the sun horse. They fought a bit, and until blood flowed and sand flew, but neither relented the fight. The sea stallion was indeed very defiant and gradually bit through all seven um, buffalo hides, but he was tiring from the savage struggle. The sun horse still had his own powers and finally overcame the sea stallion. The young man was now able to lead the ocean horses back to the king's palace. But then the princess commanded, so the anima is in charge. The anima was in charge as the snake and now the anima is in charge as the princess, the princess. But then the princess commanded that the mares be milked and the king bathed in their boiling milk so that he would turn as white as she was. The king ordered the young man to carry out the task. So this is the magic spell, right? the boiling of the milk, the transformation spell. So um, the king ordered the young man to carry out the task by blowing cold air out of his left nostril. The sun horse cooled the scalding milk and the hero bathed and merged cleansed with his skin white as milk. Upon seeing this, the king jumped into the bath by then the sun horse blew hot air out of his right nostril of such heat that he brought the milk bath to an immediate boil. The king disappeared in the seething milk and there was nothing left of him but white bones. Now the young man stood before the princess with the golden braids and told her about all his exploits. Her heart melted, she agreed to become his wife. So this is a magical story about transformation taught by the anima. The first one that he faces is the snake. And in the beginning, there was once a poor woman who lived alone with her son. So he was poor. With her spinning, she tried to earn what they needed to survive. So they were barely making it. Very difficult. So this is our fairy tale. The, um, our hero comes from a very humble background. It is the feminine that helps the hero become the hero. Without the feminine, there is no hero. That's what the story tells you over and over again. I see from the snake and then the princess with each 
anima. Yes. And in this case, the opposite of his gender. Yes. Say, uh, an opportunity to transform. Well, also the poor woman who had him. Mm -hmm. She's the one who took care of him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a poor woman and her husband. It was mm -hmm. just a poor woman. So she was a single mother. Yeah. And what these stories tell us is about the suffering and struggle of the people who lived in that day. What they needed to imagine that they could win or, you know, have enough food to feed them having shelter, having a home. You know, we talk about castles, and but basically that's what we're talking about. Symbolic of that's what we need. That's mm -hmm. the fantasy. So in the dream state, we go back to the beginning. We always go back to the original tale. It's the same story that's told over and over and over again. Out of impossible odds, comes hope. I like the boy in the story and that in the impossible odds, <clears throat> having grown up under um, with external basic needs pressures and probably a lot of bullying, uh, that he still had uh, a willingness to be compassionate and um, do something that was not conventional, which is to save the snake. And on, on, to and on top of that, tend to the snake and yeah. nurture the snake. Um, so he did things above and beyond with a lot of children in his circumstance might have reacted, how they might have reacted. Um, that's one remarkable thing of this boy. And I also thought it was remarkable that this boy had the audacity to ask for this magic sun horse and this crown jewel off the crowns, off the crowns, off the king's crown. <laughs> and he says, what would you like? He's like, well, those, those are, those are pretty nice. <laughs> and also, um, well, that's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of power involved in this story. Um, when I look at the last page of the story and it talks about the horses and it talks about the horses that needed to overcome, it, it, it says that the horse had to gnaw through seven buffalo hides. Yes. Well, this is the this story is from the Danube area, which is Germany. Buffalo don't exist in Europe. Mm. And so somehow they knew about buffalo. Mm. And buffalo have very thick hides. They're very independent creatures. They're very powerful. If you've ever stood next to one, they could just snap their neck and knock you and probably break you in half and there's seven buffalo hides which are very tough and very furry mm. and yet he gnawed through them and then became a 
leader in this story. And then the mares were milked and all the rest of the story took place. But that tells me that it took an incredible amount of power and energy and strength for those horses to get to the point where they could even be used by, you know, by the princess. So that has to represent something that's important or they wouldn't have spent two paragraphs on it. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Doctor. Absolutely, I wanted to get back to Lisa's point. Um, I'm sorry. I think, I... I think it's okay. No, I, I, we'll get back to that point. That's an important point. Um, Lisa um, talked about um, that he was bullied, and so in the story it says once he sold enough to make a whole groschen and happily made his way back home. On the way, he encountered some evil boys who were torturing a young snake. He took pity on the snake and said, give me the animal for a groschen. The other boys were glad to have the money and made the trade. The boy took the snake and carried it home. When he arrived, he called out, see mother, what I bought with the money we made. The mother took one look and shook her head. Oh, you foolish child. How could you give a groschen for a poisonous snake? Let it be, mother. I am sure it will thank me one day. He took good care of the snake and gave her something of whatever he ate or drank. So he shared everything that he had because he doesn't have much. So he's sharing his food and drink with the snake. Gradually, the animal grew into a mighty serpent. One day, the snake told the boy that she was the daughter of the serpent king. So, so what is poisonous to one is life for another. Yeah, so the child, the child and the snake grow together. Mm. The child becomes a young man. The snake becomes a serpent. And at that point, she points him into his adventure. His adventure mm. was to thank him, but he has to go see the Serpent King, which is her father. So she takes him to the Serpent King. So they went to the forest and the Serpent King agreed to give the boy whatever he wanted. He's like, well, you saved my daughter. I'm going to give you whatever you want. But this is the other point that Lisa made, which is brilliant. But when the boy asked for his eight-legged white sun horse and the gemstone from the Serpent King's crown, this was too much, and the Snake King refused. So he was bold, right? He's been patient. He's been buying his time. He's like, well, you know, things are going to change for me. When his daughter complained, he properly swallowed up the boy. Okay, so remember the steps the boy takes. He goes mm -hmm. to the market, he makes some money, he comes home with the money on the way home, he pays to save a snake from being tortured. This is where, uh, this is where Lisa said that he must have been abused. He must have been bullied. It's kind of like Jack and the Beanstalk, isn't it? 
Um, in some ways. Well, I'm, I'm thinking that the, that the, the child had empathy for the treatment, the mistreatment mm. of the snake and that it was being tortured. It was being bullied and that he identified that he was being bullied. And in that, um, that, that act itself was transformative. So when we talk about like mm. single acts that people can do to transform their being into somebody new, you know, a lot of people use this terminology and sometimes it doesn't mean anything. They just use it, transform, transform, whatever. But in the story, the first act is of transformation. <clears throat> it's the first time the boy asserts a new way of being in the world where before he was um, the kid who was probably um, bullied. Now he becomes the protector. So now he, this is his first transformation as to, I will not let this stand or I will not. When the, when the mother questions his ability to, um, to think, like, what were you thinking? He stands up for himself and tells her about, um, about why he had to do it and why it was important and what was important about it. So the next time he comes into a different situation, which is he's facing um, the snake king or the serpent king. And the serpent king is adorned and has this magnificent magical creature and he wants it and he wants the top gem so now he knows his worth so another transformative step now i know what i want now i i know what i get mm. you know i'm going to be bold so he takes the step and it turns out to be the right step the bolder the step in the story, as we've seen over and over again, the bolder you make, you take the leap, the more it's going to work out for you. <laughs> the safer you play it, this is a theme in all the stories. That's the a safer great you point, play Rob. it, the more you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. Really good point. So to everybody who's listening, be bold. Yes. That's what the, that's what the fairy tales tell us. Move With, forward. Without 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 um, um, without you taking a chance. No treasure is earned. Mm. You cannot win the treasure. You cannot see the um, find the happy ending that you're looking for without some very bold moves. And he does several of them i usually perish in one of these but the stories tell us <laughs> over and over again the bolder you are the more you're likely to survive it's when you hesitate it's when you second guess yourself it's when you start to doubt who and what you are that's when you fail and so you dr lob it yes. sounds like to me that you're saying Take charge of your own life. 
I think this is what the story says. Yeah. The story is very clear in that way. It's beautifully written to say, take a chance, be bold, be brave, stand up for something you believe in. Protect somebody who needs protection. Spend some money to make somebody's life a little better. I think there are clear messages in this whole story from the beginning. Um, the, the servants in the castle, this is the servants in the castle. What a great, um, what a great metaphor. It's all the people who root against you, right? All the people who want you to fail. <laughs> they all That's go to brilliant. play That's you to the brilliant, king. Dr. Lobb. That's brilliant. Right? They're all in the same place. They're all around you. The term is they're servants. So they're serving. So what are they serving? Your demise. That's mm -hmm. what they're serving. Mm -hmm. So the other servants were envious. <clears throat> the envious servants now told the king that now the new servant had bragged that he could catch the boar and hurry on. So basically they gave him the impossible task again. But they don't know our guy. They don't know the boy. Remember, he doesn't really have a name. Yeah. He's called the boy. Later he becomes a king. <laughs> Whoa, good point. So promptly the king ordered the young man to capture the animals with the help of his horse. The young man caught the wild sow in a sack painted on the inside with pitch into which the boar stormed in a blind rage followed by her piglets. Again, he should have been torn up by the boar. They should have caught him and tore him up. But he was bold. Again, he took a chance. He didn't run away. That is not stated in the story, but there was an option. He could have ran away. He has his powerful horse. He doesn't need to hang out. But he decides, what the hell, you know, another task. As a reward, he invited the young prince to join him at his table. Now he's a prince. This, however, only annoyed the other servants all the more, and they devised a new plan to destroy him. Again, they go after him. This time they convinced the king that he should fetch the beautiful princess with the golden braids on the advice of the white sun horse. He had a ship built laden with treasure and exquisite bed. With the treasure, the princess was lured to the ship. While she was admiring the splendors of the ship, the young man set sail. So now kidnapping is added to his feats of discretion. Kidnapping her and delivering her to the king's court. The king was enraptured by her beauty and wanted to make her his queen, but she demanded that before she marries the enema again, she is, she is captured, she's behind enemy lines, right? And she's being held hostage. And they're making demands of her, but she has a demand. <laughs> before she marries him, he brings her her royal mares and favorite colt. 
<laughs> That's excellent. So, are you worthy? Show me that you're worthy of me. Very good. The horses roamed on an underwater plane. They're magical, right? And the stallion that watched over them breathed fire and was so strong that nothing could overpower him. Right? These are magical horses. These are magicians' horses. These are the wizards' horses. Hell, he, youth, conquered, he conquered seven buffalo hides. The youth was commanded to obtain the horses on the advice of his horse. He covered his horse with seven buffalo skins. He covered on advice from his horse. The horse tells him what to do. He said, if we're going to go into this battle, these guys breathe fire. You're going to have to cover me. With seven buffalo skins and dug a pit in which they hid themselves near the water edge. So as life got more and more complicated for this kid and got more and more demanding, his mafia boss demanding that he kidnap somebody, as more and more demands got on this kid, the kid became a man he became somebody who understood that it's there is complexity to life and that when you go into a situation you have to understand the complexities of the situation he shows he shows intuition he shows intellect at the third call, the young stallions came rushing flames, spewing and stormed up the sun horse. They fought and bit until blood flowed and sand flew, but neither relented the fight. The sea stallion was indeed very defiant and gradually bit through all seven buffalo hides, but he was tiring from the savage struggle. The sun horse still had his own powers and finally overcame the sea stallion. The young man was now able to lead the ocean horses back to the king's palace. He let them fight it out and then he said, okay, time for you to come with me. And in the last part of the story is the boiling milk. He basically boils the king and tells um, the princess with the golden braids now, her, her heart melted and she agreed to become his wife. She was really pissed at the king for kidnapping her. So when he boiled in milk, yeah, yeah. So in the fairy tale, this is what it says. Her heart <laughs> melted and she agreed to become his wife. <laughs> now I feel better. You kidnapped me for that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that was excellent. That was that was our that was our hero that actually was with the help of the heroine. She, the anima, is always there. The opening of the motif, this is what Bon Franz writes, and caring for a despised animal is akin to the motif of the helpful animal, where a hero meets and spares an animal along his journey that later returns his gratitude by coming to his aid. We saw this over and over again. With the mouse, with the cat, The snake is, as explained above, a symbol of the synthonic world. Psychologically, this refers to the, the sphere of the psychophysical reactions. 
Thus, the daughter of the serpent king is a prefiguration of the enema, still deeply immersed in the unconscious before she appears in human form. The sphere, so, so the anima is not female. The anima is feminine. There's a huge difference. And that's why we say gender is fluid because the anima is not precisely a female. Ooh, it's the embodiment, point. right? It's the embodiment of the feminine. That's what she represents. So not the female as a biological entity, but the embodied feminine aspects. Or which, male, which males also possess, am I right? Yes, without the anima, we would not, yeah. uh, we would be cave animals. What a great point, Dr. Lahab. The sphere of the unconscious that connects to the material realm is ambivalent and thus often perceived as being evil itself. Fairy mm. tales often stress the wisdom of nature and therefore portray the snake as a guardian of the treasure or giver of the redeeming mystery. In present fairy tales, this ambivalence of the snake symbol is reflected in the friendly attitude of the snake daughter on the one hand and the initially hostile nature of the snake king on the other. So, this is when you take a fairy tale and you start thinking, well, how does a fairy tale apply in 2022? Well, this, it's pretty much the same story. It's always the same story. It's just told in many different voices. Many people have told the story. It's always the same story. I think part of our discussion that I will clue you in on um, before we start the podcast, we talk about, are we reading a different story? Well, it sounds the same to us because we've read these stories over and over again. But these are the stories of life. They just have different voices. They're the same stories. They tell us to do the same things over and over and over again. What do you think, Dr. Lisa? <laughs> uh, this is what makes life so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> and delightful. It brings the flavor, the spice, oh God. the depth, <laughs> and the collective of, yeah, yeah, been there. Okay. <laughs> is Lisa one? Is Doctor Lisa wonderful or what? I mean, she just sums it up. She is fantastic. Okay, she really is. Any other thoughts about today's story, the boy and the snake? I think it's one of your very, very, very best descriptions in terms of Jungian understanding of what this story represents. I think the things that you said surpassed um, what the author said, not only in the story, but in her page or two of, of um, 
viewpoint of the story. Ooh. I thought you really, really nailed it, Dr. Lahab. It was incredible. And, and I apologize to all the listeners for being caught up in, in a couple of side points and sidebars that I was really wanting to know about and confused about and why they were a part of the story. And you, you respond, you and Lisa both responded to them, but then you went beyond that and went back to the original point of the story. So I, I apologize for throwing a couple of, of, of sidebars of questions into it because once you pulled it all together and explained it, it was freaking wonderful. It expands the conversation. Thank you. Well, it expands, it expands the conversation. The conversation. There are no sidebars. It expands yeah, the conversation. It's a big story. <laughs> yeah. But 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 it's it just I, I, I think the only thing I can say for what I did is that it is that it shows the expansiveness of what she was saying, Ooh. of what the story was saying. Yeah. But, but you correctly and accurately brought it back to the main point and showed what this story was all about. And it was an incredible incredible i'm so glad we did this story yeah. it was an incredible story and and you enlightened you helped to enlighten us you and lisa both helped to enlighten us on what this was saying it was i was i was mesmerized by what you were saying well well thank you dr Eric. Uh, well you're more than welcome i'm not just saying that to blow smoke I, I believe I, I'm that. fascinated by this after you yeah, after you explained it. It was freaking wonderful. Well, I appreciate it. Um, I hope I think we I think we all do a really um, really good job of working on these stories every week, and I think we've been doing them long enough that we can take some liberties off the text and kind of do our interpretation more of putting it towards today's life instead of just fairy tales. So that's what the translation is. The interpretation of it now is more about not just the psychological, but the actual of what it looks like in the world that we, um, how it shapes, how it moves in the world. I'd also like to add that your explanations helped show, helped demonstrate, helped explain the evolution of the characters, even within this single story. Ooh. Because I was, I was not completely understanding the complete evolution of him and the complete evolution of the horses until I heard your explanations of it. Ooh. And even the snake, which you have to admit that most Americans view the snake. I mean, come on. They view well, it in terms of Christianity. Yeah, yeah. The so snake is the deceiver. Yeah, yeah. And in this story, the snake was not the deceiver. No. Well, then most fairy tales, actually, the snake is not the deceiver. They're it's not. But we've they're been ingrained into believing that. Well, yeah, and absolutely. You, you helped to enlighten us on that point, and I hope people see that. 
Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about Medusa's head, her hair comes out of poisonous snakes. Um, that's that's the that's where the poison is stuck, right? Because Medusa was raped. Yes. And then she was uh, cast out, and then Hera put a curse on her. Yes. So that's but the the curse is the is the inability to digest the poison so it holds her and then anybody who tries to look at her they turn into stone so her poison is both internal and um can be externalized and the psychology of reptiles can teach us tremendous things because reptiles are one of the few species that do not have what we call in neuroscience a limbic system they don't have it it doesn't exist they don't have a part of the brain called the limbic system that enables them to feel emotions and feel the the all the different sensualities of life they operate entirely on instinct and so we apply all of this blame to them that they don't deserve. They don't have the brain capacity to warrant that kind of, uh, of dismissiveness. Yeah. And, and I, I thank you for helping us to see beyond that. And not only in this instance, but in other in, in other uh, fairy tales that we've seen with snake as a primary factor. Yeah, I think it's an important story. I think the, the story of the snake, I think, is, is an important story to tell because it talks about our present day psychology and how we think and feel unconsciously about the feminine. And that's why it's important mm. to expose it and mm. talk about it and talk about these ideas, these projections, these thoughts that we might have, because we've been poisoned along the route, right? No joke. So wait a minute. Been... You're wait a minute, Doctor Lahab. You're bringing up the feminine in a dominant in a, in a <laughs> in a dominant in a male dominated society. Yeah, oh my I, gosh. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is very important. I think. I think this is our um, this is this is something we need to fix right away. Sure is. There there are certain things that we cannot keep pushing away. It's thank you. Like the climate crisis, like um, everything that's going on right now. These things need to be fixed. Yes. Thank you for making it. Thank you for making the anima a prominent feature in all of our podcasts, because I, I am so sick of a male dominated world that doesn't accept the incredible, the, the incredible insight and comprehensiveness of the anima. And with that, we are the IFC's Individuation Podcast. I'm Dr. Lahab El Samurai. This is Dr. Lisa Hong. That's Dr. Eric Tomlinson. And we will be back next week. And as we always 
send off with you. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. I am not afraid. We are not afraid, and we are the Institute for Conflict, and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Eric Tomlinson, Dr. Lisa Hong, and Dr. Al Samurai. We'd also like to thank Eric and Lisa for taking the time to join us. You can also find us on the IFC's YouTube. Make sure to check out the JAM Institute for Training's Magician's Call podcast as well. Tuning in next time to the IFC's Individuation Podcast for another episode soon. The IFC is a non-for-profit institution. We do not have any paid advertising for our podcast, but we do accept donations. All donations and contributions are tax deductible. You can find more information at instituteforconflict.com.